0: Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. Once again, Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter 20, as you know, we have been in the book of Acts uh, for the entire year of 2018, uh, coinciding with our theme of action this year. Our Sunday school lessons have all been on the subject of faith this year as the church uh, moves forward. And I want us as a church uh, to continue to set out to do more for the cause of Christ not less for the cause of Christ. As a Christian, uh, I feel this way, I trust that you feel this way, that I want to be a better Christian today than I was yesterday. I want to constantly be growing in my Christian life. And so this morning we'll look back in the book of Acts chapter number 20, and I have brought several messages from this chapter, and uh, there are, uh, Lord willing, several more to come from Acts chapter number 20 It'll probably be several weeks before we move uh, from this chapter. Uh, But this morning, I want to draw your attention to verse number 28. And we'll read uh, verse 28, 29, and verse 30 this morning. And uh, we are uh, looking and seeing the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And we've seen so much in this chapter already. And uh, you remember how uh, he, on his missionary journey, now he's gathered uh, some uh, of his co-laborers together, some others uh, together to to speak to and fellowship with. And now we get to uh, verse number 28. Follow along with me, if you will, in your Bibles this morning. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves into all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. This morning I want to use these three verses as our text verses this morning. And I want to speak to you on this subject. Some things the church... Should pay attention to. Some things the church should pay attention to. Father, I pray this morning that you'll help us as we look into the Word of God. Father, it's already been refreshing to be amongst God's people and to uh, think of heaven and uh, hear singing about uh, how uh, you loved us enough to save us and send your Son so that we might be saved. Father, I pray this morning that uh, the message that you have now, laid upon my heart will be exactly what we need today. Uh, may we as a church heed the Scriptures. May we as Christians pay close attention to the Word of God this morning. And if there, there is one uh, <coughs> excuse me, who is unsaved, one who is yet to trust your Son, I pray today the Holy Spirit will put them under conviction so they realize their lost condition and they might receive Christ as their Savior We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, as he is speaking to this group of people, he begins verse number 28 with two words. Take heed. In other words, pay attention. Uh, be, be, Be on guard. Take heed to what I'm about to say. And we see that there we begin to think of this thought, of some things the church should pay attention to. I want us to first understand... Uh, who he is talking to. He says, now, pay attention. And, and he says, therefore, <clears throat> unto yourselves and to all the flock. And uh, l- let me just mention this uh, right out at the start this morning. And uh, You and I, when God says to pay attention to some things, we ought to pay attention to them. I'm afraid there are too many Christians. We, we pay close attention to things that God doesn't care about, and we don't pay enough attention to the things that God does care about. Your responsibility as a child of God this morning, my responsibility as a child of God is to do the best we can to get on the same page with God. What does God care about? That's what I should care about. What does God say pay attention to? That's what I should pay attention to. And Christian, if you'll just establish that in your life, it'll help you in your Christian life. It'll help you keep your focus on that which is eternal and not that which is temporal. Pay attention. You and I have a responsibility to pay attention to that which God says to pay attention to. Paul says, take heed, therefore unto yourselves. He's speaking uh, to men of God. He's speaking to pastors. He's speaking to those ministers in the faith. He says, there's some things you need to pay attention to. But then he says, if you see in Scripture, and to all the flock. It's not just to the pastor what he's about to say. It's not just to the man of God. It's not just to the overseer or the shepherd, if you will. He He says, men, this is for you. You better pay attention. As a matter of fact, the whole flock needs to pay attention to this. The whole church needs to pay attention to this. I wonder if sometimes Christians look at things in Scripture and say, yep, the the pastor better take care of that. The pastor better take heed of that. The pastor better pay attention to that. Friend, this Bible is not just a book uh, for, uh, for the men of the cloth, if you will. It's not just a book for the shepherd or the pastor. It's a book for every child of God. It's a book for every Christian. And while there are some things specifically that as a pastor this morning, I should pay close attention to. There are things that every child of God should pay close attention to, and that is the stage that Paul is setting. He's saying, men, pay attention to this. Matter of fact, the whole flock, the whole church, everybody should pay attention to these things. And again, let me remind us that there a, there is a things that God says pay attention to it, We should pay attention to it, and by speaking to uh, the, the, the pastor, the shepherd of the congregation, but also to the entire flock, every member of the church, it signifies, and it gives the picture that everybody should be committed to the things that God puts an emphasis on. And I'll say this morning, I believe that every saved person, every child of God, ought to have an invested interest into the church of God, into the house of God. It is a shame that on Sunday mornings, uh, in in so many places, there are more Christians, saved people outside of church, that are inside church, makes you wonder about, about their salvation, first of all, but it makes you wonder about their commitment to those things that God puts a premium on. There should be, everybody should have an interest in the church, this idea today that the church isn't important anymore. I wonder what God thinks about that. I wonder how God feels about that. Well, church is secondary to everything else. I wonder how God feels about that. And I know that football season is coming and I know we're in an NFL town and I know that the Jaguars, they're hopeful that this is the year they get all the way. But friend, I just have to be completely honest with you. Before we even talk about anybody who wants to kneel for the national anthem, let's talk about desecrating the Lord's Day. Uh, it's, it's church day on Sunday. It's not football day. It's the Lord's Day on Sunday. It's not football day. Now, I'm not pre- Preaching against football. I just think it's better on Saturday than Sunday, but that's just an old other story right there. Uh, but it's the, the it's, there's a principle. God's day, God puts a premium on on Sunday on his church on what what he establishes and all Paul is trying to get their attention to pay attention to some things. And this morning, that's what I'm trying to get us as a church to do. Let's pay attention Let's be reminded, it is easy as a Christian for certain things focused to get dulled by the everyday uh, of this world. and we get into a routine and we, we live in this world, you and I constantly have to pay attention to things that God says pay attention to. Now this morning, let me give you very quickly, very practically, very simply, some things that I see in these three verses of Scripture that I believe the whole church needs to pay attention to. From the pulpit to the pew, those that sing in the choir, to those that we wish we wouldn't even sing in the congregational singing. No matter where you fall in that, if you're part of God's church, there are some things that we should pay attention to. Number one, look with me again in verse number 28. We're going to find some things here. And I'll be in this first point much longer than any of the other ones. So if if we're here for a little while, don't panic. I'll move much quicker through two, three, four, and all the way through point 10. Much, 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 much quicker than I will get through in point number 1. But let's follow on as I read verse 28 again. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. I would say this morning that the church needs to pay attention to who owns the church. You'll find in that verse of Scripture every member of the Godhead. You'll find every member of the Trinity. Pay attention to whose church it is. Friend, you and I have no justification No excuse measures up to just dismiss the house of God. Uh, Not not put an emphasis on the house of God. Friend, the most important thing that happens in the life of a Christian every week is what takes place on the Lord's Day in the Lord's house. Say, well, I just don't feel that way. Well, you might want to take heed this morning. You might want to pay attention to what God says you better pay attention to. And if we are reminded who owns the church... Who's the head of the church? We might have a little more urgency to get to the house of God. We might treat the house of God a little bit differently if we're reminded whose church it really is. This morning, I am the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, but this is not my church. Uh, There's not a Baptist man on the planet who owns the church and if there's not a Baptist who owns it, I can go through all the other denominations. There's certainly nobody there that owns it. I'm not concerned with the Pope this morning. I'm not concerned with some other religious man this morning. And the Baptist preacher doesn't own the church, it is God's church. It is God's house. Because, friend, if it was my church, you might, if you look real hard, if, if you do a lot of research, if you watch me for a long period of time, you might find a flaw. You might find a mistake. You might find humanity in imperfection. Friend, you don't have to look very long to realize that your pastor is flesh just like your your flesh. Your pastor has weaknesses just like you have weaknesses. Your pastor has failings just like you have failings. But friend, this morning, it's not on the pastor. It's on God himself. He is the head of the church. He is the owner of the church. And we need to take heed this morning of who the church belongs to. Friend, if it doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to some disgruntled member. It doesn't belong to a deacon board. Doesn't belong to some gossiping woman. It doesn't belong. It's God's church. That's why we this morning must take heed. Notice who's, the reminder of whose church it is. It says, "Which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God." It's His. Well, I was thinking this morning, it ties in with my Wednesday night Bible studies. God said, be ye holy. He didn't say, be ye hip. He said, be ye holy. Well, how can we have church where it appeals to more people? You're looking at it wrong, friend. God didn't pass out a survey. This, is, this Bible is not a survey of what would you like in church. It's His church. It, it, it belongs to Him. And that while, while it is not, we are not uh, uh, bound by formalism this morning, there ought to be a sense of, "I'm going to the house of God." I want to hear the Word of God. I want the Holy Spirit of God to speak to me this morning. And if God says it is important to Him, you and I need to be reminded, it's God's house. I don't feel like going this morning. Well, I think every Christian has been there. Maybe when you get here, you say, I knew I shouldn't have came this morning. I think every... I feel that way today myself, you know? I wish I wouldn't have come this morning. But friend, it is God's house. It is what God has set apart the first day of the week, and you and I should be reminded, whose church it is? Whose church is it? If it's his, and he places a premium on it, which he does, we ought to treat it that way. But notice, uh, it says, the church of God. Then we find, we see there, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You think about the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where would we be without the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? We'd have no hope without His shed blood. We'd have no salvation. Friend, there has never been a man so good that he could save himself. Hey, there's never been anybody who could pray his way into heaven. The only hope we've ever had is the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in Him and his finished work on Calvary, uh, that blood that 's applied to the to the record to the life of the individual, and how we 're washed in the blood of the lamb, and that blood payment that shed blood is what you and I hold to today it's what you and I find precious that 's why we sing that song. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of jesus there 's nothing you can do for salvation. There's nothing I can do for salvation. Friend, I have a heart. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want everybody to go to hell. But if I had the power to save people and keep them out of hell, you know I'd do it. But I can't do that. I couldn't even keep myself out of hell. All I had to do was depend on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and His perfection, His sacrifice, but that's the same blood. Are you excited to be saved this morning? Are you glad to be saved this morning? No, you'll never have to spend a moment in those fiery pits of hell. You couldn't save yourself, but all you had to do was look what Jesus did uh, in that finished work of Calvary, how He willingly gave His life for you. He willingly shed His blood to pay your sin debt, having never known sin, having never done uh, any, having any imperfection, the perfect Holy Son of God, He shed His blood for you. I rejoice in my salvation because of the shed blood of Christ. What Christian wouldn't get excited about that? But it's the same shed blood that purchased the church. So why is it we put a premium on one and we take the premium off of the other? But this morning, I tell you, I'm thankful. God sent His Son to die on the cross and shed His blood for me. I'd be hopeless on my way to hell as you would be this morning. And if you're not saved, if you're depending in a church, if you're depending in a man, if you're depending on the scale out of your good works and your bad works, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna be sorely disappointed for all of eternity as you suffer and pay for your own sins because only the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can atone for your sins. But I get excited about my salvation. Scripture tells us he's purchased with his own blood, purchased what the church. Why can't we get excited about church? He shed his blood. He purchased the church with his blood. Friend, we 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 those of many of you, you've you, you've been here for some time and and all the work that we've put into this property, and we say it like this Well, I've put my, my blood, my sweat, and my tears into, into helping the work of God. And that's a good thing to invest into. But why are we gonna put more of a premium on, on our investment and less of a premium on His investment? Why should I go to church? Well, Jesus just shed His blood. Why should I tithe? Well, Jesus just shed His blood. Why, why should I come back on, on another night when well, Jesus just shed his blood? Why, why should I be so... Why does pastor just insist that we're so... He did just shed his blood. Why do I have to sacrifice? Well, he did shed his blood. Uh, what kind of sacrifice was that? You'd be hopeless without it. I'd be hopeless without it. Friend, so, so, many, so much for too long, Christians have looked at the church... As it's optional, it's, if it doesn't ask too much of me, then I'll give to it. If it doesn't inconvenience me, then I'll be a part of it. But friend, it meant so much to our God that He shed His blood for it. And friend, you cannot place a higher price tag, a higher premium than the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who owns it? Everyone is going to wake up on the Sunday. I just don't feel like going. Everybody is going to have somebody offend them. If you've never been offended by anybody at church, if you'll come to me, I'll introduce you to a few of our members, and we'll just go ahead and get that off the bucket list this morning. Well, so-and-so offended me. The pastor says something I didn't like. Or or he didn't shake my hand. Or maybe it's because I did shake your hand. I don't know. Whatever it is. I, I just don't know if I'm going back there. Hey friend, it's not about me. It's not about you. When it's all said and done, when we step back, it was important enough for God to send His Son to shed His blood. He is the owner and it has been purchased. Purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not all. It not only belongs to God, the Father. God the Son not only shed His blood for it, but notice in verse 28 as well, as He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. He's saying the Holy Ghost has has made you the pastor. The Holy Ghost has put you over the congregation, over the flock. The Holy Ghost hath put you in the ministry. Uh, we see here the ruling of the Holy Ghost. The ownership is God's. The, the price paid was from the Lord Jesus Christ. But who rules the church? That third member of the Godhead, the Holy Ghost of God. It is He, you think about the Apostle Paul, and you go back several chapters to when the Holy Ghost set apart Paul. The Holy Ghost set apart those other men. And friend, how do we do church this morning, how God wants church? Why are we in the house of God? Because God wants us in the house of God. What are we to do? What kind of songs are we supposed to sing? The songs that God wants. Well, how do we know that? We opened the book that the Holy Spirit authored. This morning, I have as a saved man, and those of you that are saved this morning, we have the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. And as the Holy Spirit works and the Holy Spirit moves, it is the Holy Spirit who we look to today. It is the Holy Spirit that speaks to hearts this morning. It is not me as a man, but I pray that it is the Holy Ghost of God that works through me and speaks to hearts this morning. That's why the songs we sing, boy, if this morning the congregational singing and the special music didn't get you ready for church, didn't get you ready for the preaching of the Word of God, you either need to get saved this morning, or you need to get right with Him. One thing, way or another. Because, but you sing those songs about Him, and the Holy Spirit of God begins to work. He is the ruler. That's why there'll not be any surveys passed out about how do we want to have church. It's not my church. You see that in. in, in quote unquote, church marketing today. I get these advertisements and we've done surveys about all these people and all these different groups and this is what people want today. I don't care. It's not my church. I see that sometimes and and it's very easy to say, do you have to do any research? I say, okay, Holy Ghost of God, is this what you, nope, that's not what He wants. I had a a conference about the direction of our church. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and none of them are in favor of taking it a different direction. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not a board's church. We have this misnomer in... in, 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 don't, Don't misread what I'm saying this morning, but... The church isn't run by a democracy either. It's run by the Holy Spirit of God. By the Holy Ghost of God. Well, Pastor, I think we've got to do this. Well, let's see what the Holy Ghost says about it. Let's see as he moved on these men who penned these words, what he says about it. We find here, the, we better pay attention to who owns the church. Friend, this is a good reminder to your pastor. It's not my opinion. It's not my preference. If I have a preference, I have to be very careful. And say, this is just a preference that I have. It's not, none of it is mine. It's not a, a, the, the deacon board this morning. It's not the staff this morning. It's not a group in a Sunday school class. This church does not belong, this church belongs to God. And we should approach it in a way what is going to make him happy, what is going to please. Him, what does He want? And every one of you who are a member of this church have the same responsibility as your pastor does this morning. We're to be faithful to it. We're to be loyal to it. We're to try and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and get them into it. And we're supposed to be committed to the house of God. Why? Because it's important to the owner. This morning, if you're not a member... Of a local New Testament Baptist Church, I can recommend one to you. Now it's got some crazy people in it, but I can recommend one to you. I've got to be part of it. Why? But it's important to God. It's important to him. Number two. Notice, pay attention to the servant of the church. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, He is speaking to those shepherds, those pastors. I want He says, "Pay attention to the overseer, and the pastor is to be that—the overseer. He is to oversee the work of the church. That's His responsibility." He's to make sure that it is uh, functioning the way that the owner of the church would be happy. But I want you to notice, he has made you overseers to feed the church of God. Be very practical and very helpful this morning and very uh, hopefully remind us as we pay attention, the pastor's primary responsibility is to oversee things so that the people can be fed spiritually. My primary responsibility is to teach and preach the Word of God so that you might grow in the Word of God. As the overseer, that's why uh, uh, Brother Stanley has been doing our music for a long, long time, I don't have to worry about the music that's going to be played. I don't have to worry about uh, the the way the songs are going to be sung. I don't have to worry about any of that. But you know who is responsible for that? He is not responsible for it other than the area that has been delegated to him. The overseer is responsible for that. And sometimes uh, you just got to say, I don't like that song. And And sometimes I just don't care for that song. Well, why don't you like it? It just puts me in a bad mood. And the last thing that I need to be in is a bad mood when I'm getting up here and preaching. It might hurt the, the spirit of the service. I don't like it, but I want to make sure that the atmosphere is conducive for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. It's my number one responsibility. Now, now let me make this statement, but don't turn me off after. It's not my responsibility to make you happy. It's not my responsibility to make you spiritual. It's yours. It's not my responsibility. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what kind of shape I would be in if I sat around and worried, is everybody going to be happy with everything I say this morning? Now, I'm concerned that the people that God has placed here are getting fed spiritually. And I can tell you there are times when I have sleepless nights because I feel like somebody in our church is struggling and the Lord has placed them on my heart. That's part of the responsibility of a pastor. But, but it's not my responsibility to make you happy. Now, as your pastor, I, I will I will pray for you. I will be faithful to study and preach the word of God. I hope you see that and understand that. I will try to do my best to be there for you in your valleys. I'll do my best to, to, to celebrate those mountaintop experiences with you. I will be faithful to do those things, but I cannot make you spiritual. I cannot make you happy. It's just my responsibility to oversee it. Make sure that you're getting fed the word of God. It's your responsibility to do with it what you should do with it. I can put the food on the plate, but I can't make you eat it. Sometimes I'd like to, but I can't make you you eat it. You better pay attention to that, because I'm afraid sometimes, sometimes Christians get the idea that the pastor's supposed to do something that God never intended for him to do. I'm to preach the Word of God to you. I'm to pray for you. As a matter of fact, those are the two primary things I'm supposed to do. He says pay attention to the overseer. This morning if you're struggling spiritually, I can pray with you. If you need counseling, I will give you some counseling, but truth of the matter is the best counseling I give is Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's the first thing I'm going to say is well if you you need to be in all the services, be in Sunday school, I can give you some counseling, but my responsibility is to be the overseer. Each one of us has a responsibility, has a responsibility to grow spiritually. I'm not going home with you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's your responsibility to get close to God, it's your responsibility to get encouraged on Sunday, to get challenged on Sunday. And can I even say it in a Baptist church, be convicted by something on Sunday. So that you can make some changes in your life to be closer to our God. Just pay attention to the overseer. Please don't put expectations on your pastor that God did not place on him. The responsibility for for you is to be close to God, to take the things of God. Mine is to teach the Bible, hold the truth. Hold to those things which God puts a priority on. To remind you to take heed once in a while. To to, to hold to the things of God. It's my responsibility as a pastor to be the overseer. Notice the third thing I find here that we should pay attention to as a church. We should pay attention to the enemies of the church as well. Verse 29, For I know this... If you can kind of place yourself in the Scripture, Paul, who his health was not great, Paul, this man of stature, this wise man, the spiritual man, this man empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, this man where well, you could feel the presence of God, you could feel the touch of God on his life, he is speaking to these others he is speaking to these overseers, these pastors, and he is talking, pay attention over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. As soon as I'm gone, there's grievous wolves coming in to get the flock. False teachers. So many times, we as Baptist people who are soul winning, we get criticized because, well, you have all these people saved, and where are they all? And I do think we need to be very, very careful that if somebody trusts Christ as their Savior, we ought to be concerned with that new convert and do everything we can to get them under the teaching of the Word of God. Sometimes the grievous wolves get them. And they're off to a cult. They're off to false teaching. That's why I have the responsibility as the overseer as well to warn you of false doctrine, of false teaching. That's why we dismiss in just a few moments and we all go to our different Sunday school uh, classes. Let me tell you what Sunday school lesson every class is going to have. The one I've approved to be in it. I know other churches might do it different ways, but Sunday school teachers here, they don't pick their own Sunday school lesson. They don't teach their own lesson. They're not the overseer of the church. They're not going to answer to God for what's taught in there. The pastor is. And I want to make sure that the doctrine that is being taught is actual Bible doctrine. It's not some preference. It's not some false teaching. Not something somebody read, Googled something on the internet or saw a YouTube video. But it's actually Bible being taught and being, be, be, being uh, indoctrinated into our kids. I want to know the truth. Somebody's got to warn. That's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching on Wednesday nights. Because our Baptist people, Christians, are getting swept up in this contemporary movement. And you won't find it in the Bible. Somebody's got to warn. Somebody's got to say that this is truth and that is not truth. That's my responsibility as the pastor. But you know whose is responsibility it is? It's your responsibility as well. Again, I'm the teach, I'm the preach, I'm the pray for you. But you're supposed to be in your Bible as well. Again, let me go back to the introduction. Are you paying attention to the things that God says pay attention to? Or are you paying attention to things that don't really matter? There's a lot of Christians, and we've got to be very, very careful. That's what we've got to stay after. New converts, new Christians, and, 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 and keep reaching out to them so they can get grounded in the Word of God. But you've got to be careful, too, to stay in the Word of God, to know the Word of God. And, and, and can, can, I, can, I, can I just say it? You have one pastor? Let me say that one more time. If you're a member of this church, you have one pastor that God has given you? Now, somebody who's on TV is not your pastor. Somebody who writes a book in the Christian bookstore is not your pastor. Somebody who sits in the cubicle next to you at work is not your pastor either. While I'm just on it this morning, can I just go ahead and throw it all out there? Your grandmother's not your pastor either. I've given you an overseer. It's a heavy weight I'm reminded of all the time of what God is going to hold this pastor responsible for. What every pastor, I was thinking this week, so many who were just turning aside, so many who are just laying down the truth, so many who just whatever happens goes, God is going to hold them accountable Amen. I don't want to be in that position. That's why sometimes your pastor will come out and say, I'm just drawing the line because I'm more afraid of God than I am of you. I, I, I consider the consequences of the God who owns this, who oversees this, and the Holy Spirit of God who put me in this position, I, I'm, I'm more sensitive to what He thinks than what any man thinks because I'm going to give an account for every message preached. I'm going to give an account uh, for, for every one of you. The Scripture teaches me that. That's an account that I'm going to have. And there's going to be a lot of pastors who have not, have not embraced that responsibility. But can I say, there's going to be a lot of church members who had an overseer, who had a pastor available to them, and they, and they, and they were just flippant with their church attendance, and they were there sometimes, and, and not all the time, and, and when the pastor said, let's get on fire for God, and let's move forward for God, or do something for God, they're like, well, I don't know if I want to be involved at all, I don't know if I want to get too involved in everything, and God is going to hold every child of God for what they did with the church, how they participated in the church, and how much they let this outside world influence them. Gotta be very, very careful to watch those false teachers. If 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 you if you have a question about whether something is Bible or not, ask me. Please don't Google it. I Googled it, Pastor, and Jesus is coming back. In 37 days, please don't Google and get your, your doctrine from, the, from Google. But we've got to be careful of the enemies of the church. We need to understand that there are enemies of God's church. But you look through time. I could take you back through history. history of how God has sustained his church. So, well, how do you know there's so many quote-unquote churches, how do you know one way to tell what is God's church is what's the church that all the other churches are trying to destroy? It's always been the Baptist people. Always. We've got to be very, very careful that we're not swept up, as the Scripture says, with every wind of doctrine. Hold to the Word of God, and then fourthly we see And the first half of this is very exciting to think of. It's very sober to be reminded of the owner of the church as we think about God and His church and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and how the Holy Spirit of God is our overseer. But now as Paul begins to conclude in verse 30, he begins to warn them there are going to be false teachers, false doctrine. No, I'm like you, I I, I would rather hear preaching, and I'd rather do preaching on nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he shed his blood for us, but we find here there's a warning, false teachers are going to come. But then notice this, a very sobering thing in verse 30, also of your own selves. In this group, if you will, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. The fourth thing this morning I find here that the church needs to pay attention to is there will be betrayers of the church. There will be those who benefit from the Emmanuel Baptist Church. You'll find the first time a clear presentation of the gospel in a church service just like this, or was somebody knocking on your door? Or somebody sharing the gospel with you in a break room? It wasn't these other churches, and there have been some, they've been going faithfully to other churches have never heard a gospel presentation. They encounter one of our church members, they get saved. What is a benefit of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, a gospel-preaching, gospel-believing church. There's some, you get their marriages restored. That first child will be born. And Pastor, would you pray over our new child that the Lord would protect our child, the Lord would save our child as soon as He's under, able to understand the Lord would use our child. And all the benefits. Many will find their mates in a church just like this. And boy, they'll be a part of the program of what God is doing. But somewhere along the way, something begins to happen in their life and in their own heart, and the Scripture says that they'll arise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples with them. Let me just speak candidly and plainly this morning. I do not understand. I do not understand how somebody will justify pulling other people out of the church of God disparaging the church of God so that somebody would follow them, whether it's to the church downtown or to the, to 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 a a life of just fulfillment of their own flesh. I don't understand why somebody would take their security away and, and take 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 their, their their foundation away from them. But he says you better pay attention there will be some will be some who will rise up. Friend, you and I, we need, our ultimate loyalty is to God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if someday, way in the future, and I'm not the pastor anymore, the Lord takes me home 70, 80 years from now, hopefully and if is, is somebody else ever stands up here and preaches anything but the doctrine out of this book, please leave. Don't let the loyalty to the church keep you in a place where, where the Word of God is not being preached. Our first loyalty is to our God, is to our Savior, is to the Word of God. But friend, that does not mean we do not have any loyalty to God's church. It does not mean we're not invested in the church of God. It is, it is the, the, the institution that God has established that would literally shake the world. It has on the pages of Scripture... And if Christians would get invested in the church again, they'd put their own flesh aside, they'd put their own desires aside, and they would follow the man of God that God has given them as he preaches and teaches and follows the word of God, this world could be turned upside down again if everybody who claimed the name of Christ was part of a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church, got on the program of the church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church, participated in the fellowship and In the finances of the church, like the Emmanuel Baptist Church, there's no telling what God's church could do again. Be careful of putting your own desires above God's. Be careful putting your own opinions above God's. Well, I just, Pastor, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't agree with the, well, how this is being done. Well, you, you're free to express that with me. I'm okay with that. But at the end of the day, I'm the overseer. And if God leads me in a direction, that's the direction we're going. But if you don't understand it, you're part of this church. You pray for your pastor. You continue to tithe, not because you like me, but because the Bible says so. You continue to share the gospel, not because you're 100% in agreement. Oh, y'all just believe in in 100% agreement with the pastor. Oh, no, we just believe even when we don't understand. God has given us somebody in our life that prays for us and loves us and still preaching the word of God. If you stop growing as a Christian here, maybe you should find another church, but you better search your heart first. There's some who will rise up, draw other disciples away from them, Be careful, young people, of individuals who try and steal your loyalty away from your pastor, away from your godly parents. Be careful. We don't have time this morning, and it's not the message this morning, but the Bible also speaks of how you deal with the false teachers, those that rise up. A friend this morning... Let's take heed to what God says is important. He says His church is important. He owns it. He's concerned about it. Well, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to think about this for just a moment. God loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son the Lord Jesus Christ to die for you. He didn't just die to die; he died with a purpose to pay the sin debt of all men to pay for your sins. There's nothing you could do to earn that. There's nothing you could do to deserve that. But in the love of God, He sent His Son. All you have to do is believe on Him. Your belief is on Him. Not on you, not on the church, not on another man, but on what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. You can know that your sins have been forgiven. You can have an eternal home in heaven. To the Christian this morning, maybe you've been saved for just a short time. Maybe you've been saved for a long, long time. This is just a good reminder for you this morning. How invested are you in God's church See, our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That does not mean we minimize the importance of being in the house of God, to being part of the house of God. How invested are you in what God owns? What matters to God? If it matters to God, it should matter to you. Should matter to me.